Yes, yes, it is that time again. The Chief Zone Podcast is back. I am Farzi Masugan, your host of the Chief Zone Podcast. As always, appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the Chief Zone Podcast. Friendly reminder for those who are returning listeners, be sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And you guys can always interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Vesugian. Give it a like, give it a follow on there. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. For those of you who are new listeners, always welcome in new listeners. Never too late to join in on the Chiefs Talk here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, but Always welcome the social media interaction, always great, and that's a big part of the show, so always definitely want to get in touch with you guys, know what you guys are feeling with the Kansas City Chiefs, did a lot of that last podcast, and a reminder, obviously we're not going to be doing that this week because of the bye week, but uh, for every game during halftime and postgame, we will be doing a Facebook Live, again, that's on facebook.com slash so give it a like, have your Facebook up during halftime or right after the game. And you'll get a notification anytime I do go live. And, of course, we'll touch on the Kansas City Chiefs during halftime and after the game. It's not going to be doing that this week, of course. But, nonetheless, there's always stuff to talk about. And I, a lot of you guys, last podcast, I, I think the the crazy thing about that game, the loss against the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of people were just really down. I think it's because you, dropped, you went from 5-0 and and dropped to 6-3, and three, winning just one game in your last four bouts. And given how you started off, I think if you told me before the season that we'd be 6-3 and three going into the bye week, I'd be, I'd be pretty content with that. If you told me that the Chiefs would get a number, would be in position to get a number three seed going into the bye week, and if you told me you'd be behind Pittsburgh and New England, I'd say that's fairly expected. But to be right behind those two teams, you can't argue against that. But given how... The Chiefs got to this point right now. It's kind of frustrating, uh, especially when there were winnable games uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, against the Oakland Raiders, and even some opportunities there for the for the Chiefs in this game against the Cowboys. I mean, certainly there were winnable games here. The Chiefs aren't a team that 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 get blown out often. As bad as they've been this year defensively, and at times they, they've surrendered a lot of points, they haven't been horrendous to the point where. They have been completely out of a football game. I think the only time that they've been blown out in a game this year or last year put together was in week four, the Sunday night football game last year at Pittsburgh. So for the most part, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have always been competing with their opponents. They've never been blown out by a large margin in any of their losses. And in a majority of their wins, uh, it's come down to the wire. It's given Chiefs fans Heart attacks, but hey, that's why we love the sport. We love the excitement and how it comes down to the wire, but just the way the Chiefs have gotten to this point uh, after week five, not too many people are pleased with it, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans want to see some changes made, some adjustments made during the bye week, so we'll touch on that a little bit. We'll have Matt Connor, editor and writer for ArrowheadAddict.com. He'll be joining me shortly here on the podcast, and we'll, we'll, we have a lot to dive into, of course, going from 5-0, and 6-3, Going into the bye week. And here's a thing to talk about. Because the final seven games. The back half of the schedule. It's a fairly easy schedule. I mean the schedule makers here. I don't know how much of this is intentional. People want to talk about that a lot. Whether the NFL schedule makers try to make it easy or difficult for some teams. Well if you want to go that route. The NFL schedule makers certainly did Kansas City tons of favors here. 
a lot of easy opponents here. You've got the Raiders and the Chargers. And by all means, when I say easy, I'm not penciling these as automatic wins. The Chiefs certainly have to go earn them. But listen, let's let's be honest with ourselves. We look at those games, even though they're divisional games, certainly can never underestimate any team, especially a team from your own division. But when you look at the Chargers and the Raiders and you've got them at home still, those certainly look like they're winnable games. Coming off your bye week, and a lot of people talk about Andy Reid's success historically coming off a bye week, you've got the 1-7 New York Giants, and shortly after that, you've got the New York Jets, and also part of your schedule, you've got the Miami Dolphins. And by the way, in the final three home games of the season, the Chiefs have a fairly easy schedule to finish out the season. In week 14, on December the 10th, the Raiders visit Arrowhead Stadium. And then a week later, for Saturday Night Football, the Chargers visit the Chiefs for the last primetime game for the Chiefs, unless things change at the last minute, if the Chiefs get flexed into a Sunday Night Football matchup. And then to close out the final uh, home game of the season, on Christmas Eve, the Dolphins visit the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs have their final three games uh, all consecutive, back-to-back. And again, they look like winnable games. And let me just say this, given the division gap in the AFC West right now, you've got the Raiders at 4-5, and five, and the Chiefs are 6-3. and three. The Raiders are, this, when it just comes to the standings, they're the second best team in the division right now. And there's a fairly big gap between first place and second place in the AFC West. And given the schedule and, and just how well the Chiefs have done, especially on the offensive side of the football, and when you look at how teams like the Giants and the Jets have just immensely struggled this year, there's a reason to feel optimistic. Now, Chiefs fans are convinced that this team's going to the playoffs. Okay. The place where a lot of fans are pessimistic about is the postseason. And that's what we're going to talk to Matt about when it comes on the podcast in just a moment. Listen, I, I understand. Everyone's looking forward to what's going to happen in the, in the playoffs. And everyone's writing in the the narrative right now that it's going to be another disappointment, it's going to be another one-and-done postseason, and that in the past 24, 25 years, Kansas City's going to have just one postseason win, and a lot of people are remembering the fact that it's it's against a lousy Texans team that got through in a very easy division. Look, uh, there's no hiding from the fact that the Texans, that was just a horrible division. I mean, back-to-back years, the Texans won that division uh, with absolutely no quarter, I mean, they, they had a quarterback convention for two years, and they still won the AFC South, and the Chiefs visited the Texans and routed them in the 2015 season. Well, technically, it was the 2016 calendar year, but you get the ideas. After the 1-5 and five start, the Chiefs came back. I mean, look, a win's a win. You, you never apologize for winning in the National Football League, but there just seems to be a lot of negativity because people want to just... Jump to the conclusion that they know how it's going to end and it's going to be another postseason early exit for the Chiefs. And I can understand that. Don't get me wrong. That's my expectation too. But, and I don't want people to get it twisted with my words. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and just say that we can just assume the season's going to end in, in week one of the postseason. I think people forget, and unless you have a major pre-existing injury like the Raiders did with Derek Carr going into the playoffs last year. The playoffs are a whole new ballgame. I know New England and Pittsburgh and the Colts and the Broncos, whichever team Peyton Manning was with, those are the only four teams 
that have represented the AFC in the postseason, in the Super Bowl. I understand that Chiefs fans have come to the conclusion that it's either going to be the Patriots or the Steelers that'll go to the Super Bowl. And the only other exception, of course, was the Baltimore Ravens. I believe that was in 2012 when they did it. So listen, I, I'm, I, I understand the frustration and all the negativity. That was not a fun game to watch against the Dallas Cowboys. The Chiefs got rolling. They took the lead at one point in the game, and then they just looked flat for the last one and a half quarters. And that's certainly not how you want to play football. And the Kansas City Chiefs have made a living in the fourth quarter this season, and lately... We've seen the Chiefs pretty much get limited on offense. You, you look at how they did against the Denver Broncos. You got that defensive touchdown to start things off, and then you've got you got things going with Travis Kelsey in the end zone. You had an opportunity to take a 21-0 lead or even a 17-0 lead with just a field goal, and you get too cute. You, you, you have that trick play, and for some reason Tyreek Hill feels the need to force it into traffic, and it's picked off. Now, fortunately, that did not hurt the Chiefs in the long run in that game. Of course, they came away with the 29-19 win on Monday night, but things like that can come back to haunt you some way. I, I, mean, I think for a Monday night game, especially at Arrowhead, you, you've just got the the perfect setting. Arrowhead Stadium, Monday night football, and again, a win's a win, but that was not the most exciting win. If I'm a... If I'm speaking objectively, if I had no rooting interest, if I was watching that game, man, I would have tuned out early. And I told you guys I was on a flight, so I didn't get to see a lot of the game. And when I was going through it on my DVR, I I fast forward through a lot of action there. I mean, this was a pretty boring game to watch. I think part of it is because I knew the outcome and I had followed the game on my phone as it was happening or just checking the box score. But this was not the most exciting way for the Kansas City Chiefs to, to, to defeat an opponent. Now... Again, look at the Denver Broncos when they played the Panthers a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl. One of the most boring Super Bowls you will ever watch. But at the end of the day, are Broncos were Broncos fans complaining at the time? No. They just won the biggest game of the year, and that was the Super Bowl. So, uh, better to have a boring victory or an ugly win rather than losing, for sure. And unfortunately for the Chiefs, that's the only win they've had in the last four weeks. So this bye week is definitely, and I I said this before, and I said this on the Facebook live too. I absolutely hate taking a loss going into a bye week because rather than having one week to think about a lot, football's so frustrating because when you do lose, man, that sour taste is in your mouth for five, six, seven days, however many days it is until your next game with a bye week. This is going to be on their minds for two weeks now. Whereas in baseball, if you lose a game, even if you're on a losing streak, what's fresh in your mind the most is the game that you just had. And if the Royals lose against the Twins, start off the season, well, look, they don't have a lot of time to... Well, I take that back. The start of the season, the schedule is kind of funky, but you get the idea. Once you get the season going, if you have a loss, you don't have time to dwell on that so much. You've got to go to the next game and just start fresh right then and there. Whereas in football, man, the only way you you move on is go to practice. And of course, practice doesn't change what happened from the outcome of the most recent game. And not that it would happen in baseball too, but that's still fresh on your mind for however many days it is until your next game. And, and for football, it can be at least four, five, six, seven, eight days, depending when you play next. So that's that's the most frustrating part. Sometimes even 10 days. 
that's the toughest part. Uh, I mean, for the Chiefs, when they were getting ready for the Broncos coming off that Raiders loss, it was 11 days. Uh, I definitely don't want to spend 11 days thinking about a loss like that. But uh, there's nothing you can do about it right now. As far as just looking at the, the, at everything from an optimistic point of view, the Chiefs are 6-3. and three. They lead the division by a fairly strong margin going into the bye week. And when the Chiefs get back to action, it's going to be November the 19th. So already halfway through November. And the Chiefs are still going to, let's just say worst case scenario, the Chiefs are still going to be leading the AFC West. That's where you'd rather be, right? And I understand a lot of people, they're already jumping to the conclusion that this Chiefs team is not going to get very far in the postseason. Okay, I, I mean, I can't change anyone's mind with that other than just telling you guys, look, every postseason's different. I understand that it's been a very repetitive postseason for, for the AFC, at least. You see the same teams c- constantly going to the Super Bowl, but you never know. One of these years, uh, you, you'll you see a Baltimore Ravens-like team come through. Maybe that could be the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Who knows? And let's not forget one thing. Speaking of the New York Giants, the upcoming opponent for the Kansas City Chiefs, let's not forget... What was going on with the Giants right before they stopped the Patriots in their tracks of trying to go 19-0? The Giants were 10-6 to finish the regular season that year, but Eli Manning had a horrible regular season. 23 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, and at that point in time, that was the most interceptions he had. And this was, of course, the time where, and if I'm not that was his fourth year in the league, This was the time where a lot of people were unsure if Eli Manning was going to be any good. And he was constantly compared to his brother Peyton. And next thing you know, Eli that same year beats one of the best teams we have seen in NFL history in the Super Bowl. Handing them their first and only loss in the game that mattered the most. And eventually at some point, shocking enough, Eli Manning beats the same team a couple of years later. And he actually at one point had more rings than his brother. Now, of course, they both currently have two rings, and it's not expected that Eli will will surpass him. But listen, you never know if the Kansas City Chiefs could be that New York Giants kind of team, if they could be that fish-out-of-water team. So, and again, do I expect it? No. Maybe my prediction is wrong. I do predict an early exit, but I think fans are are getting way too, just way too upset over one loss. And listen, football is a great sport, it's a funny sport, and it's also a bad sport. And I say bad because you lose one game, and it really feels like the end of the world. Everyone, and Tony Romo now being in the broadcast booth, he, he, he joked about this, uh, I believe he mentioned that this past week into uh, the Chiefs and Cowboys game. It really feels like the end of the world. Everyone wants to see changes. People people will even talk about the idea of changing quarterbacks or head coaches just for one loss. And then when you win, the narrative is so different. There, there, there's some positivity. People feel optimistic and feel like there might be a chance that you could go far in the postseason. Football's a funny sport, man. It really is. It's it's completely different from all these other, other sports we've seen. And I mean, the emotions for football fans, uh, they're different. And listen... I think when you look forward to your Sundays, because if you're a big football fan like I am, a lot of you guys listening are big football fans. That's why you guys are tuning into the podcast. You guys are big football fans. So whenever it's a Sunday or Monday, Thursday, whenever the Chiefs are playing, 
I mean, that is the highlight of your day. And if the, that, that's what you look forward to, you go to bed remembering that when you wake up, it's going to be game day. And when you wake up, you're pumped up, you're ready for the game. And when it doesn't go as expected, you, you get pretty upset. The Chiefs have had a lot of that lately uh, against the Steelers, the Raiders, and now the Cowboys. And some of the big big names in the in the NFL too. I mean, the Steelers for the Chiefs, they're, they're a team that they just, for whatever reason, cannot beat. The Steelers always have Kansas City's number. The Raiders, of course, man, I mean, losing to the, to the Raiders one thing. But the way the Chiefs lost to the Raiders in that game... That was pretty tough to watch. Uh, the ending giving them multiple opportunities with no time left on the clock. And then, of course, the Cowboys game, uh, known as America's team. And let me just say this, too. I, and I didn't mention this last podcast, but Chiefs fans have done really well supporting this team going on the road. We've seen a lot of Chiefs fans. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, opposing fans in Los Angeles when the, when the Chargers are playing. But Chiefs fans have been showing up to a lot of road games. And I think that's that that can be a frustrating factor for for fans knowing that it feels like Arrowhead Stadium is is, is kind of following the team in the road games and they're just not coming away with, with some of these uh some of these wins uh, constantly and I think we've got to remember one thing too I know they start off five and zero and Alex Smith had no interceptions for nearly nine games but we can't sit here and think that we're gonna go sixteen and zero. And win the Super Bowl, and Alex Smith's going to go all 19 games without an interception. That's just not realistic. I think people got so carried away with that and thought that Kareem Hunt was going to have 100 yards from scrimmage each and every single game. I mean, you realistically, that's just not the case. So I, I hope in anything, if you're listening to this, and if you've got a friend who's not, well, first of all, tell them about it. Tell them about the podcast. But even if they're not, if they refuse to, I mean, tell them these things. Let them know that it, it, you've got to take things one game at a time. Look, you're 6-3 and three right now. If you go up to a Raiders fan, a Broncos fan, or a Chargers fan, and if you ask them, would you rather trade spots with the Chiefs right now, record-wise, they would all say yes. I mean, listen, would you rather be trading spots with any of these three teams in the division? So, listen, for right now, the Chiefs are fine. Even coming off a of bye week, they'll still be leading the division. Even if... The Raiders win another game. They'll, the, the, the Chiefs are still going to be fine here. And I take that back, actually. The, the Raiders are on a bye as well. By the way, the Raiders will be playing the Patriots on uh, the same date, uh, November the 19th, uh, when they come off their bye week. So the Chiefs get the Giants. The Raiders have two weeks to prepare for the Patriots. And I know the Patriots, sure, look, they look beatable. A couple of teams have beaten one of them being the Chiefs. But uh, I just don't know if the Raiders have the tools to do what the Chiefs did in this game uh, against the Patriots. But, of course, that's a topic for another time. You get the idea, though. Even worst-case scenario, whatever could happen, the Chiefs are going to to have a division lead coming off a bye week, and they're leading. They're 6-3. and three. Again, I understand that how things have gone lately, it's hard to, to have that optimi- optimism. And I know I, I've been very critical of how things have gone for the Chiefs lately, but... I'm choosing to stick to the side of being optimistic. As long as the Chiefs are 6-3, and three, as long as they've got a fairly strong lead in the division, I don't think there's a reason to hit the panic button right now. And when it comes to postseason time, are we all expecting a, a disappointment? Sure. But at the same time, I'd rather have opportunities to suffer a disappointment than not. I mean, would you rather be talking about the draft going into January, or would you rather be talking about a playoff game? 
I know the Chiefs don't have a great record in the playoffs, and especially at home at Arrowhead, and, and someone mentioned this on Facebook, but let me just say this right now. And, and not that Kansas City's record is great in postseason games on the road either, but uh, when it comes to the playoffs, would you rather be at Arrowhead or would you rather see the Chiefs go on the road? I'd rather see them at, at Arrowhead. Simple, simple answer there. One other topic I do want to talk about real quickly, and this is the only uh, newsworthy topic with the Chiefs. Now, not a lot of Chiefs news, and of course, being the bye week, uh, there's not a lot of it, but Chris Conley, who's who's a very vocal guy on Twitter, and hard to imagine that we'd be talking about him because, of course, he's done for the year. He, He suffered an injury and isn't playing with the team right now, but he saw something on Twitter that gave him the need to go off on on rant shortly after the game, went off on five tweets here. And I'll read them to you real quickly. First one, he says, Love seeing who real supporters and those who are just fans when it's convenient. There's a reason we ignore y'all when you sing praises. Next tweet, he says, One day it's sick to sports, Conley. Now it's sick to getting better. Y'all funny. And what he's referring to is, he's been criticized because he has tweeted and responded to some of the sports and political clash with Donald Trump, the locker room talk, and then the SOB comment with the protest. Um, so he's now talking about sports, which people have told him, stick to sports. And then when he's been told, when he gets his comment about a sports topic, he said to stick it together. Uh, last couple of tweets, he says, if you weren't trashing the boys with something that was uncalled for, why think I was talking about you? Now he's responding to people who are who are going after him. He says, be upset with a loss. Say offense and defense need to get better. That's cool, but you take things into a personal space and insult? Nah. I love y'all. I just love my teammates as men too. Criticism is good, but there is a line. You all have a blessed night. Now let me just say this. I have absolutely no idea what he's referring to. I, I'm not quite sure if there, if there are just one or two fans who said something personal or said something about the game. Listen, fans fans have the right to criticize. When they charge so much money for parking, for tickets, for a beer, for popcorn in the stadium, for hot dogs, for merchandise, fans have a right to voice their opinions. I And I, a couple of people on the Facebook page even said this too. And I kind of joined in on the conversation with them. Listen, just because you're a fan doesn't mean you're an automatic cheerleader. Fans have the right to voice their opinions. Let's not forget what happened five years ago when Marty McDonald and a couple other people, they were flying banners above the stadium wanting a change. Chiefs fans have the... Listen, Chiefs fans, they're the best, but they're also the most passionate. They voice their opinions and they want to see a change. They want to see the team get better. And a lot of fans took offense to that, so... Look, I can understand people's frustration with all of this, uh, and I don't know exactly what Chris Conley's referring to. Maybe it's just two fans who said something out of line. Well, look, call them out specifically then. But if he's responding to fans being critical after a loss, well, look, Chris Conley's in the wrong here. Uh, I don't like to comment on things that I don't know a lot about, so this is that's why I'm providing all these multiple scenarios I'm not exactly sure what he's referring to. If he's referring to fans that are simply being critical after a loss, look, man, fans have the right to do so. And I, I just don't think it's it's right for him, a guy who's making a lot of money, where when the average fan that's not making as much, not even close to the amount that he makes or any of his teammates, you know, look, they're, they don't have to be spending money on all the all, all of these products to, to go watch a game or watch from home. 
Uh, I mean, would you rather would you rather not have fans? I, I I don't know what to say about it. I know a lot of fans they tend to they tend to clash with some of their social media has really changed with sports in the past ten years. We saw what happened with Larry Johnson when he lost his job because of some back and forth with a couple fans here and there, also calling out his coach at the time, Todd Haley. But uh, social media has really changed things, and it has really given us an understanding of how players feel at times especially with some of their indirect comments and what they're trying to say in, on, their, on their Twitter accounts. Uh, so social media has really been different. And Chris Conley, one of the more vocal Chiefs players on Twitter, uh, I, I think, listen, this, this is not a good look for Conley. It's really not. Fans don't like it when a player or a coach will speak out and criticize fans for being critical. Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly Stafford, she has constantly criticized Lions fans for being critical and she took a lot of jabs on social media when fans responded to her criticism of fans so listen uh these 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 fans these diehard fans their hard-earned money is is coming to these games uh they choose to do so and when they're not happy with the product they see after all the money they spent they have a right to boot they have a right to be upset so listen if you don't like it don't be part of the don't be part of the whole deal. Then uh, it comes with the territory. When you are a pro athlete under the spotlight, making a lot of money, you have to understand that fans are going to be critical, especially in this PC age where everyone's spewing their opinions on social media. So, I think Chris Conley's got to come out with some sort of apology or at least clear the air. What was he referring to? Because when he mentioned the personal part, it sounds like he's referring to just a couple of fans, but doesn't want to give them the attention, which is understandable. But I think it just looks bad because now a lot of fans took offense to that and are not sure what exactly he was trying to say. We'll talk about that with this gentleman who is now on our guest line here on the Chiefs Home Podcast. This is the first time we've had him on the podcast, Matt Connor of ArrowheadAddict.com. In fact, I think this is the first time we've ever had a writer from ArrowheadAddict.com, but Matt Formerly with SB Nation and Arrowhead Pride, now the editor and writer for ArrowheadAddict.com. I followed him on social media this year, saw a couple of people retweet him, and I always liked some of the commentary he had, so I decided to follow him, and he and I have kind of had some back and forth. We've had some discussions on social media as well. I've always wanted to bring him on the podcast, and I feel like the bye week was a great time to do it. So Matt Connor joining us here from ArrowheadAddict.com. Matt, thanks for taking the time to join us here on the Chiefs on Podcast. How are you? Yeah. I'm well. Thanks so much for uh, having us on and uh, yeah, breaking the streak, bringing on someone from the site. Uh, you and I were talking before we uh, started doing this. Uh, I know I'm I'm taking you away from watching Stranger Things too. Is that right? Stranger Things too. Yeah, I'm I'm as addicted to anyone else. I'm just a little bit slower on the uh, on the binging uh, okay. schedule than most people. I think. Give me give me an idea of what this. I've heard of this. I heard there was like a bar in Chicago that was like. The theme was about Stranger Things, but but I'm not quite sure. Like what? Ex- I mean, the title sounds, I guess, straightforward, but I I don't know what exactly it is. You know, maybe maybe take Goonies plus, um, oh man, Dungeons and Dragons plus plus the the Matrix. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's this weird amalgam that's like it's like child actors who are good. Plus nostalgia if you grew up in that time, plus good suspense, plus a decent soundtrack. Like yeah, it's just it's just kind of a show that delivers at both the heart level and some suspense and decent acting. Yeah, it's 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 just a great package. Okay, I, I definitely need to check it. I think I'm the only person 
who has not watched it yet. So I definitely got to get on that. But uh, that's a topic for another time. Uh, if you guys want to follow Matt on Twitter, you can do so. Matt Connor. Connor is C-O-N-N-E-R. Matt Connor A-A on Twitter. And Matt, Matt, Matt we got a lot to talk about, man. Because uh, if you said to me before the season the Chiefs would be 6-3 and three going into the bye week, I'd feel pretty good about that. But I think the way they got to this point, losing three of their last four games... There's just a lot of negativity. I, I mean, I've gotten a lot of tweets and a lot of Facebook posts. People are already jumping to the conclusion that this team is going to suffer a first round. I mean, people are writing it in. People are think it's it's just a given at this point. Are you getting a lot of the negative feel from fans? I mean, what are you seeing from a lot of the fans that follow you? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Chiefs Twitter is insufferable right now. I hate it. <laughs> it's uh, it yeah, it's it's just this sort of uh, chorus of misery when I think a lot of us looking at the schedule early on would have been very happy with six and three at this point. Um, and, and, you know, man, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not an apologist for the chiefs right now. I don't, you know, I don't want to be a Homer. I mean, they have, they've turned in four straight, you know, between middling and poor performances in a, in a row. I mean, so there's no way around the fact that they have not looked the part at all. Um, you know, but it's, it's just the letdown. It's the free fall from, um, how dominant the team looked early on. Uh, you know, we even posted, to, you know, we were looking around today, at, you know, the power rankings come out. ESPN called the chiefs number five in the NFL, like this week. And that's after four straight games. And I just thought, man, that only shows like at one point this season, it looked like there were the Kansas city chiefs and then everyone else. And that everyone else soup included Tom Brady and the Patriots, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, you know, Carson Wentz and the Eagles. I mean, there was just no one else in their class. So the fact that they could kind of turn in four straight bleh performances um, and losing three of those and still be considered a top five team um, just kind of shows how higher expectations went. And then to have those dashed, even at six and three, they have been dashed, so to speak. Like now we're among that same stew that at one point we seem to have risen above. See, I, I think I blame it on the Patriots win. Not that I would rather lose that game, but you mentioned it yourself. I mean, the, the standard became so high now. Listen, going into New England, and I don't care how bad that defense is, when you go to New England, you beat them on banner night, their fifth banner night, and you put up 42 and you make Tom Brady look bad and you shut them out in the fourth quarter. I think the the the, the expectation is, hey, look, we can win a Super Bowl. And the Chiefs, of course, being the last team to drop a loss. And the way they lost their first game certainly hurt. And, of course, the Raiders lost. And just how they looked against the Cowboys, especially in the final quarter. Uh, I, I think there's just a lot of frustration. I, it, the, the script has really flipped. Uh, do you feel like that first win, that big win, really set the tone for how fans really felt for the season? Yeah. You know, maybe so. I mean, we were all in such shock at first that I don't think any of us knew what to make of that. Here's what I keep coming back to with the Chiefs, because, you know, you keep, like, week after week, you think, wow, the offense looks great. And then the next week, man, the defense looks good. Or special teams is so great. And, And they've never put together, they've never put together 60 minutes of excellent football in all three facets of the game um, yet this season. And, and Andy Reid has said, as much in, in paraphrased terms. Here, here's what I keep coming back to you. Even in that 
Patriots game, if you go back and, and, and it, or if you remember it well or if you go back over it, the reality is the Chiefs let a lot of things slip through their fingers, and they even allowed 150 penalty yards that game. Like, like they allowed the Patriots to march from one end zone to the other and then back again halfway just on penalties alone in that game and still trounced them in Foxborough. So, so it wasn't like the Chiefs were very crisp that night. They were like committing their own blunders. They should have beat themselves, except they were so dominant. They could still beat themselves and beat the Patriots twice over. So I'm thinking, gosh, if this team could ever wake up and, and put together 60 minutes of quality football, I don't even know that it would be close. The reality is it's just somehow the engine started to sputter on both sides. And we've just we've also watched them lay total eggs on defense and offense. So yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, you know, I know health is a concern. I know maybe fatigue over these last few weeks as the Chiefs have played crazy schedule, crazy games in prime time. Whatever. I just have to hope that coming out of the bye week, it's it's going to be more of what we saw early on. I know we haven't even talked about more specific with the details yet. Alex Smith did not throw an interception until this past week. And, and look, I, I can't really blame him for that on that fourth down play, taking a sack or throwing it away. Obviously that is not an option and no one was wide open. And when he's under pressure, he has to, he has to throw it somewhere. And unfortunately no one was wide open at that point. So I, I can't really blame him for that pick, but uh, listen, he hasn't played great lately, but uh, could play a little better. He's still playing better than a lot of quarterbacks out there. Uh, Kareem Hunt, we all know the story with him, uh, the best uh, debut in NFL history, it seems like. And he's gotten quieter and quieter each week, especially lately. I mean, we haven't really seen ESPN post their uh, their funny, comical Kareem Hunt fantasy stories lately. And part of it is because of his performance lately. Um, you know, where do you look, look as far as the offensive side goes? Because we're still seeing Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill make some play. I mean, Tyreek Hill was fairly quiet this week, minus that, uh, that touchdown before halftime. But, uh, this offense isn't as dynamic as it looked uh, earlier in the season. No, no, that you know, it's real telling. Brad Childress on Monday, um, you know, like on Monday, several of the Chiefs' assistant coaches had their media session. And in the midst of all these sort of, in the midst of all this coach speak, you know, because a lot of times those guys really say nothing. It's like, well, we just got to execute better and that kind of stuff that really is fluffy quotes that no one really uses. In the middle of that, Brad Childress ended up saying something along the lines of, you know, yeah, clearly we're sputtering right now and we've got to get to a point where we can look at us the way other teams are looking at us. And he was talking about the bye week, that it, that it was – coming at a good time. And then earlier, Andy Reid also says something like, we lacked the energy level that we needed. And I think between the two of those quotes, I think therein lies the answer. I, I think the Chiefs are tired, although no one wants to say that. Like, you know, the everyone would want to say, well, it's professional football, we're all athletes. We're all, but, but I think there's a reality, too. Right now the Chiefs are, are, are thinner than they thought they maybe would be with injuries and that, that they're tired because of the schedule. And then I also think that maybe early on, you know, we saw all we saw Andy Reid's creativity in all kinds of ways in the first like four or five games, and the Chiefs were coming up with crazy plays. Announcers are going nuts. Tony Romo, John Gruden, and their color commentary, and and so even on prime time, everyone's seeing like, wow, the Chiefs are this, you know, out of the box offensive team, and Andy Reid's genius, blah blah blah. 
And then over the last few weeks, we've seen Alex Smith sort of relegate back. We've seen uncreative uses of Kareem Hunt where he just runs straight into a brick wall. And, and you're just and you're just thinking, man, what happened to the shovel pass? What happened to um, some of the end arounds? What happened to some of the spacing that we used to see on offense? And other than like Tyreek Hill trying to throw a, you know, a pass the other day, I mean, <laughs> there's just been so little of that. And so I just think, I think Childress is right. I think teams have have adapted and and learned, and and maybe the Chiefs haven't gotten creative or maybe they're not seeing themselves the way other teams are and that they're also tired. So hopefully this two week break kind of allows them to not only heal and rest up, but also sort of say, yeah, what happened to like, we went and we went back inside our own chiefs box and that's why everyone's complaining. I, I got a couple of tweets from people saying that Andy Reid needs to call out Bob Sutton publicly. I mean, look, Andy Reid's not the one that that's or nor any coach really. I mean, there are a couple here and there, but Andy Reid's never the kind of person that will publicly call someone out. Even with all the Travis Kelsey drama earlier on in the season, I mean, Andy Reid was pretty defensive about, about him. That just shows you the kind of person and the kind of coach he is, and why players love to play for him. But surely this is being addressed behind closed doors. You mentioned the two weeks, this bye week, what needs to go on. They definitely got to talk about this defensive game plan because. Right when the offense, for me, the most frustrating part, Matt, and I don't know if you feel this way, right when the offense picks it up, right when Alex Smith has his a career season, the defense just completely plays the opposite of what they've played last year when they led the league in sacks and takeaways. And the defense has really done a great job with helping this team go a long ways the past couple of years. And a big part of that has to do with how they're using their pass rushers. Guys like Tom Bahali. Uh, or at least as of late when he just joined, uh, Justin Houston playing a lot in coverage. You're not seeing D Ford go after the quarterback as much. W- what do you make of this defensive approach this year? You know, um, I, I can see a lot of the frustrations. I also think Bob Sutton is is playing with a thinner deck than anyone realizes. Um, I, I think John Dorsey made a couple of pretty glaring errors. And, and look, man, I am. I am John Dorsey's biggest fan. I mean, anyone who follows me or, or like, like I, I would get a John Dorsey chest tattoo. So <laughs> when I say this, I, I, I don't mean, <laughs> you know, that, that, that I think he did a bad job or deserved to be fired. Like that, those are whole other categories and conversations. And, and I will defend Dorsey to the hills. However, uh, Dorsey made a couple calls. If you remember a couple years ago, he re-upped Tamba and, and, and DJ Derek Johnson um, to deals that were a little surprisingly long and expensive for guys on the other side of 30. And I think there's something to be said for helping guys retire as chiefs. I, like, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, when we're putting those guys in the ring of honor, I think we're going to be like, hey, I'm so glad John Dorsey signed those guys. But right now, what Bob Sutton is living with is guys being paid to play as starters and a refusal to bring in other starters because they're still expected to start, and and yet they're getting long in the tooth. I mean, so I mean, DJ's just not as fast as he used to be, and speed is everything at, at that position. I mean, instincts it, it, instincts are a part of it, but but it's about that burst. It's about you know, it's about getting to the gap fast. I mean, it's 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 all there. And so Brett Veach did what he could, like pretty quickly, bringing in both Kevin Pierre Lewis. Reggie Ragland. I mean, 
I think he knew, like, yo, we could be really screwed here again on our run defense if we don't do something. But, uh, but, but Dorsey did something else, too. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the secondary, but opposite Marcus Peters, it's just been a total nightmare. And, uh, and we just see opposing quarterbacks going there again and again and again. And Dorsey had the chance to do something there, and he didn't. He didn't sign a free agent. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't draft a defensive back until the sixth round. And so what I think, you know, they good reasons for optimism there, and maybe we can break those down. Um, but it turned out to be like the worst case scenario. Like not, not one single thing that could have gone right has gone right in the secondary. And instead it all fell apart and, and Dorsey's inaction there, like due to a limited cap and due to like jumping up to get his quarterback of the future, which those are all fine decisions. You got to do that when you got to do it. But but the Chiefs are paying for it in the secondary. So, you know, when I look at Bob Sutton, there's a part of me thinking, man, the idea that the Chiefs have an elite defense is a two-year-old notion. And I think when we look back, we're going to realize, man, Sutton probably didn't have the pieces that we thought he did, especially after Eric Berry's injury. See, that's interesting. I didn't have any plans to really talk about this, but I think you raise an interesting point that I never really thought about. When when he signed Justin Houston and Eric Berry to these long-term deals, I mean, these are some big, big, big money players, and there's talk about how part of the reason he got fired is because he waited too long to sign them, and after the 22 sacks and after the 20, uh, 2016 season Eric Berry had, that ended up costing the Chiefs a lot more money than it should have. Um, I'm looking at uh, overthecap.com, and I'm looking at their calculator part where you can kind of play fantasy football and see what the Chiefs could do with who they cut, who they trade away. And if you look at the 2018 cap room, it's in red by 990,000, excuse me. Uh, I mean, I feel like, and again, you look at Alex Smith. He's set to make $20.6 million. Justin Houston's set to make $20.6 million. There are a lot of players that they've spent a lot of money on. I mean, and they, they've got to give money to guys like Marcus Peters. Maybe if Kareem Hunt, if he can keep going at the pace that he's been going, uh, he could be a very expensive player down the road. Uh, this has kind of hurt the team, and I think it kind of makes you wonder this offseason, not that it's anywhere nearby for us, but general managers are always thinking about these things ahead of time. Uh, I think John Dorsey kind of put the team in kind of a bad position. I know you said you've always been a big fan of his, but don't you think he's also spent more money than he should have on some of these players? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, I mean, for sure. If if there is a mark on his, if, if there's a blemish on his resume, um, it, it has been the handling of the cap with regards to certain veterans, for sure. Um, Justin Houston has the single biggest cap hit in the NFL of any non-quarterback, period. Uh, that's Von Miller, that's, that's, that's any wide receiver, that's, that's anyone. And so, you know, I think that that's why Justin Houston is under such a microscope. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's the most dominating Chiefs player on either side of the ball, and he's still – there's a group of people who will never be satisfied with Justin Houston unless he's getting two sacks a game or something, you know, which, which is just silly, but, but that's, that's just what that money does. You know, and I think you're right. You know, Houston is making a couple million more a year than he should have because we should have signed him earlier. Eric Berry got an extra year and a couple extra million a year because we waited one more season than than we probably should have. So, yeah, you know, Dorsey did leave the team in in, in the lurch in that way. Um, You know, but that said, I mean, the the guy can draft like crazy. 
He finds free agent bargains left and right. I mean, I mean, even with those guys and even with those limitations, I mean, the Chiefs have probably you know the deepest or one of the deepest rosters in the NFL, even with those limitations. All right, Matt. Coming off the bye week, the Chiefs are going to be six and three. They're going to be playing the Giants. In fact, looking at the final seven games of the schedule, it's a pretty favorable schedule. I just got done talking about this right before you came on. But you've got the Giants, you've got the Jets, and in three consecutive home games, uh, in your last three home games of the season, in fact, you've got the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Dolphins. Look, you you can never underestimate any team in the NFL, but let's be honest. Uh, When you look at those three games to finish off your your home games for the season, especially in the month of December and how great the Chiefs have been at home in December, you look at those as really winnable games. Given the six and three record and just the division lead that they have right now, uh, what do you expect from the Chiefs record-wise? Uh, standing at six and three right now, what do you think the final record ends up being? Um, I think they have one more loss in them. I, I, I just think this, you know, I think it's a twelve and four team, and I, and I think one of the losses will come in one of the AFC West games, um, just because those are always tough games. There's just no way around it, and. Um, and even if the Chiefs have a crazy lead, you know, other teams will play up to them. So that could even be like a, a season-ending loss just because maybe Andy Reid is resting his players. I mean, who, I mean, who knows how that's going to work out. It wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs run the table, however. I mean, I, I, I just think I think they're going to gear up and, and, and do it. And maybe that's me being a little bit too positive. But, um, yeah, I, I just think against lesser competition and, and with this break coming at the right time, um, uh, yeah, I just have a hard time believing the Chiefs aren't going to come out guns blazing. Final topic I want to talk to you about. Uh, I, I'm sure you saw Chris Conley's tweets. Uh, j- just some frustration from him. He's been a very vocal guy on Twitter, uh, especially with some of the big politics and sports clashes we saw with, with Donald Trump and, and everything that, that went on the past couple of years with that. But uh, recently, he had some tweets, and it's really uncertain what he's referring to he talked about something personal but then he also referenced that fans pretty much were being too negative and were being too critical it's hard to figure out what exactly he's referring to if he's referring to a lot of fans or if he's just referring to a couple of trolls who uh, tagged him on a tweet and just went off on him because it kind of seemed like he Threw a lot of Chiefs fans under the bus. And listen, we know Chiefs fans. They're one of the best in the league. They're also very passionate too. And listen, I think in this day and age with social media, people are going to share their opinions and players can hide from how fans feel in this day and age with social media. What did you make of Chris Conley's comments? Um, I, I, think, um, I, I think it was unwise. I think it was unwise and, and, and you saw... You saw Chris Conley provide context for the tweet with several further responses after the fact. Like it got softer and softer, and he backed off a little bit more and more and provided sort of context and reasoning for why he did what he did. Um, I'm certain for Conley, one, he's a young he's a young player. He's always very well spoken, and and he certainly I mean that you know I, he's a very respectable player, but I think he's also I think he's also an early 20-something who is probably dying to be on the field and frustrated that he's out for the whole season, watching his teammates give it all and then going online and because he has the free time and the inclination to go online and then sees people who are probably like, 
with a beer in hand and a telephone in their other, um, you know, <laughs> like arm armchair quarterbacking the whole thing. And and yeah, I, I would probably find it very hard to not be overly defensive as well in my own youth and zeal and emotion in the moment. Um, so I, you know, honestly, if I'm putting myself in the shoes, I have a hard time even. Um, I, you know, I can understand. I guess I'm saying it was the wrong move. It was it was certainly not a wise thing to put. The the way he backed off, you could tell he knew that as well. Um, and and you know, like I myself, like I don't read internet comments. I don't even read the comments on things I write because I just know better. Um, and and you know, people are gonna do what they do on social media, and 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 some people live for that. I you know, I just don't live for that. So you know, Tommy needs to learn not to live for that. It's funny you say that uh, that you don't read the internet comments. I, I used to. <laughs> I started this podcast when I was sixteen, and I used to be pretty sensitive with a lot of the comments I got when I was writing for Bleacher Report. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what. And this is just a coincidence that we just played them. But man, Cowboys fans. Anytime I wrote like a general NFL article, because I would write about the Chiefs, <laughs> and then I would also write a lot of other other articles for other teams. But man, uh, Cowboys fans are vicious. I had one Cowboys fan in the comments section say that he was going to come through the computer screen and kill me, which I'm, I'm still waiting for that to happen. I'm, I, I've not had that happen yet. I think that would be pretty funny to see in an obituary. So, uh, yeah, I can understand you not wanting to read uh, any of those comments because I, I think a lot of times people say just to complain or just to say something. So I know where you're coming from there. But as far as the social media thing, I mean, hopefully – a lot of times I've just learned, especially like people like you and I who are bloggers or podcasters, whatever the case is, fans get upset with some of our comments. And I've just learned that I think you you should try to, I guess, find common ground. I know players don't really care for that. They don't want to put put in the time for that because they get way more tweets than you and I would. Um, but I can understand the frustration. I, I get what you're saying as well. Uh, Matt, before I let you go, you are an editor and writer for ArrowheadAddict.com. Uh, I'm sure you guys have always got projects coming up, certain things that fans can look forward to. Uh, for those who read your website uh, on a daily basis, or for those who haven't read your website, what do you have coming up? Anything that fans can can expect in the coming days from ArrowheadAddict.com? Yeah, we're um, well, with the bye week, we're, um, we're kind of doing a, a kind of a mid-season report card. So we'll be doing like a roster overview, looking at what we thought was going to happen this season, um, and at the halfway point, looking at how well our predictions, expectations, and, and, and hopes turned out kind of at each spot. We're also doing a, like a series where we've polled all of our staff writers about the biggest surprise at the midseason, the biggest disappointment at midseason, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, the bye week's just a great time to kind of pause and say, all right, what's really happened this year? What are some of the subplots that we're not really talking about enough um, and, and how do things stack up now looking forward. So um, yeah, we've got some great stuff coming through in, in terms of, of evaluation and, uh, and where we go from here. Follow him on Twitter, Matt Connor, AA on Twitter and check out his work as well as work from other writers at Arrowhead addict.com. Matt, happy to finally have you on the podcast. Hopefully we can have you on again. Appreciate you coming on. We'll keep in touch for sure. Hey, it sounds good. Percy. Thanks so much. And off he goes. There he is, Matt Connor of ArrowheadAddict.com. As always, be sure you check out his work over at ArrowheadAddict.com. Always got some good stuff there. Never had a writer on there uh, come on the show before, so definitely nice to have uh, have Matt come on. Definitely going to have him on again sometime during or after the season here on the Chiefs on Podcast. And he makes some interesting points about John Dorsey. I mean, look, 
we're we're moving on with a different general manager. Brett Veach is the GM right now, but it's kind of similar to to a college program too. Let's let's use KU football as an example. I, I mean, sure, David Beatty's not doing the greatest job right now with the Jayhawks, but you got to keep in mind the guy's trying to make up for some of the issues that Charlie Weiss created, and oh by the way, the guy before him, Turner Gill. So things haven't been very pretty for KU football. I think the domino effect is very interesting for the Chiefs because they've had a lot of general manager changes in the past ten years. Even it's actually nine years. You had Carl Peterson, you had Scott Pioli, you had John Dorsey. I mean, there are still guys who played from the Carl Peterson era. Carl Peterson drafted Derek Johnson, Tom Mahali, Dustin Colquitt. And you've got to think about these guys who have played for different general managers wondering if they're going to be around much longer. And fortunately for these guys, they've been extended for a while. The GMs who they've played for have been happy with their performance, so they've stuck around for a while, even with all these head coaches and GMs. So it's kind of interesting just to see that kind of dynamic, too. Uh, never really thought about that, and, and boy, uh, just looking at that salary cap for next year, the, the or the cap space, excuse me, uh, it is not good for the Chiefs, and I think that's the, and, and Matt made some good points, that's the biggest glaring issue with John Dorsey, is how he handled some of these contracts with some of these players. I mean, there's a reason why Dontari Poe was not retained, because uh, you, you just couldn't afford him, and I think you're seeing how much of an impact Ontario Poe could really have had he still been on the team, uh, especially having this team stop the run. Uh, that's been a big issue with Kansas City for a while, but this season it, it, it's a lot worse than it has been other years. So that's going to be interesting to see. Brett Veach has got a, a, a lot to deal with. He has to kind of deal with what John Dorsey has done to with the team from a salary cap and business perspective, and he's got to figure out what he can do to work around it, and that's not an easy task whatsoever, but so far, he's done a really good job, uh, you look at how he's, how he was able to find butt kicker, and bring him on, he was on a practice squad, and right now, he's one of the best kickers in the NFL, so, you know he has the ability to find talented players, when other GMs may not be aware of some of these hidden, talented guys, so, so far, he's been able to prove himself, and that's doing it on special teams, which that's not a very easy area to look around for hidden guys that are just talented, and hopefully he can be able to do so on offense and defense. We'll see what he does moving forward to try and help the Chiefs during the season and then after the season, his first full off season as a GM, what he can do to try to help the Chiefs get better moving forward. As I said, I know we're, in, we're still in, in, in season in 2017, but GMs, man, they think ahead. They really do, and, and that's what they're supposed to do. And you know Brett Beach, he's planning things out. He's scouting. He's doing all kinds of things, trying to get ready for the upcoming offseason while the Chiefs are trying to do their work this season. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Packers head coach Mike McCarthy recently spoke to the media and said Brett Hundley, the backup quarterback who's been filling in for Aaron Rodgers, is not the issue. And listen, he's right. This Packers offense was lackluster on Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions. Did not look good at all in that game. They could have moved the football and the Lions were constantly getting tackles for a loss, forcing second and long and third and longer. It just looked really bad for the Packers in that football game. And by the time where the game was out of control, the Packers were able to get a little bit going, but 
that's that's normal to see in a, in a game that ends up being one-sided where the defense plays soft and they just want to avoid injuries and just move on to the next week. So the, the Packers, listen, man, let me just say this. Rodgers' loss is obviously a significant one, but it's gotten to the point where it forced the Packers to completely change their offensive approach, and that is not an easy to, thing to do midseason. So listen, I, I know the Packers are still in it right now, but by the time Aaron Rodgers returns, if he returns, it's expected that he'd be back. The damage might be done for the Packers, man. It's just way too much for them, to, to I think, to overcome. They have this offense built around Aaron Rodgers and, and everything that he's capable of doing. And without him, it is hard to see this offense operate. And the offense hasn't really helped him out, out a whole lot. Brian Bulaga has been lost for the season with a torn ACL. That is frustrating for sure. It's just tough to watch the Packers right now. An offense that's really been able to move the football. And now at Lambeau Field with their fans booing and just how things have changed. It's pretty tough to watch if you're a Packers fan. You're a Browns fan. Not a lot to look forward to. But there is one guy coming back and that's wide receiver Josh Gordon returning to the Browns. He is expected to have his first official full practice November the 20th, he has not played since 2014. Listen, I'll just say this. As a Chiefs fan, with with Andy Reid coming here a few years ago, uh, bringing in guys like Marcus Peters, Tyreek Hill, and just what we've heard about them coming uh, to Kansas City and how much we have learned to love and embrace those guys. I know Marcus Peters, this year maybe it's been a different narrative, but before then, Chiefs fans have loved everything about Marcus Peters. I was very shocked at the at the reaction from Chiefs fans when Mike Vick was brought in as a coaching intern because look if we can forgive Tyreek Hill for what he's done and me as a person like that I mean I, I'm one of those people I just think that is a completely wrong thing to do and I, I think strongly negative about people who, who do such things but look I'm not going to Hide from the fact that, look, because he plays for my team and that he started doing so well, that's part of the forgiveness process. But I also think with his fame and what he's been able to do, I, I, I think he's been taking the most of his second opportunity that he's been given by Andy Reid. Uh, so, listen, I was really shocked at how Chiefs fans reacted with the whole Mike Vick thing. I don't know how they'd react with a guy like Josh Gordon if he ever ended up in Kansas City. Uh, but listen, with the Browns being 0-8 right now, they definitely need him. They could at least use him to try to finish at least somewhat strong and get a couple of wins before the season's over. Uh, but look, as, as someone who's been a big fan of Andy Reid since he got here and everything he's done, not just as a coach, but also off the field giving some of these players second opportunities, uh, I'm rooting for a guy like Josh Gordon. I really am. I hope he does well. I hope he can stay out of trouble and... Uh, really just stay on the field just stay focused Uh, when you're an NFL player you are living the dream man you have a job that not many people have and I hope Josh Gordon realizes that he can't he can't blow this opportunity anymore he's doing something that a lot of people at his age unable to do it they wish they could be in his shoes at one point they all had that dream there are guys younger than him who want to do what he's doing one day they want to be able to play that sport. And I hope he kind of realizes that and takes full advantage of this second opportunity that he's been given and stay on the field full-time. Because he's a spectacular player when he's on the field. He led the league in receiving yards with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, if you're able to lead the league in receiving yards and you have 
all these different Cleveland Browns quarterbacks throwing to you, that says something about the guy. Imagine him playing with a consistently good quarterback. I'd love to have him here in Kansas City. I know a lot of people would as well. I don't know if there could ever be an opportunity where Andy Reid could snag him and bring him to Kansas City and give him a big chance here. But man, I, I the idea of that, whether it's Alex Smith or Pat Mahomes throwing to him, with Tyreek Hill also on the other side, that'd be a lot of fun to watch. Let's go out of bounds. All right, college basketball season just around the corner. KU basketball will tip off their season this Friday against Middle Tennessee State. Uh, now, of course, KU plays a lot of teams that, you know, generally you've never heard of these teams before. Texas Southern, Oakland, a couple of these you may be familiar with, such as Syracuse, San Diego State, of course, Kentucky. Uh, the Jayhawks don't have a lot of challenging opponents. This year with their non-conference. Kentucky's really the only one. Let me just say this with KU. And I think this can kind of be compared to some of the chief seasons in the past. But the thing, the thing about the Jayhawks is they have great regular seasons. They do. But the problem is they find a way to fall short in the postseason. In the NCAA tournament. And... Look, the, the players change every couple of years. Every year someone's declaring or they graduate. The same guy who's been there this whole time is Bill Self. And as great as he is in the regular season, he doesn't do a great job with the team in the postseason. And he's got to take some accountability for that. The loss to Oregon, I've got to say, man, that's that. I'm more bitter about that than I was about losing to Bucknell or Bradley. That was essentially Allen Fieldhouse where you lost for a spot in the Final Four. You lost in front of your own home turf. I mean, as soon as KU beat Michigan State and advanced to the Sweet 16 to go play in the Sprint Center, I I said it's over. The Jayhawks are in the Final Four. And I know that contradicts what I said earlier about how Chiefs fans should not assume things. I definitely assumed that the Jayhawks were going on to the Final Four because they were essentially playing in, in, in kids. You might, may as well just had those games in, in, in Allen Fieldhouse. You may as well have just done that because this was, this is a KU territory. It really is. And see them lose the way they did. I, I just get skeptical more and more about the Jayhawks every year. I expect a great regular season. Maybe this year the streak for that Big 12 conference win could be uh, could be in jeopardy. But gosh, for the most part, I, I expect them to get into the postseason I just don't expect them to get to the Final Four when the expectation is that they should. That's just me, though. One other thing I do want to discuss, ratings in sports. Why are they down? We talk about the NFL constantly and how it's down. The NASCAR playoff series, uh, I saw an article, I heard from uh, Luke Thomas on SiriusXM mentioning that the ratings for that was down as well. And it doesn't get talked about with other sports because the NFL has been the ratings king. I mean, they've always dominated. So when you've seen this decline the past year and a half, it's been one of the biggest stories out there, not just in sports, but in news as well. Let me just say this. Sure, I understand. I agree that a big part of it has to do with, you know, the protests and the 
political clash here and there and people not appreciating what, what the NFL players have been doing. But there's also been some people coming to the NFL's defense talking about people cutting the cord. I know there, there are people who are using uh, some service that rather than just using DirecTV or uh, Spectrum, they just plug in uh, some Wi-Fi box and that allows them to watch watch a lot of things. They end up getting Sunday Ticket for free. They end up finding ways to watch uh, pay-per-views such as WWE or UFC events for free. Uh, I, I don't know exactly the legalities behind that, but uh, it's a service that is available and it is covered for. Um, and people are able to watch it. I know a close family friend of mine, uh, he says he takes his on vacation with him. He just hooks it up with the HDMI. So, listen, you hear so much about people cutting the cord. Uh, they say that the Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fight, it did not shatter the records of Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. And people are saying part of it has to do with how much free streaming services there are online. People illegally trying to watch it. Um, even though it's not allowed, there are ways to attain it, and they feel like that's a big reason why the Floyd and Connor pay-per-view did not break the pay-per-view record. So I don't know. You be the judge on that. I think it's a mixture of things, including cutting the cord, as to why ratings for a lot of things are down or not as up as people would expect it to be. So uh, I, I think that's one thing that you've got to take into consideration when you talk about the ratings with the NFL, because you're seeing ratings in other sports take a dip as well, and I think a big part of that at least according to the pundits out there, is because of people cutting the cord. Time to throw some penalty flags. I got to throw my first flag at 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, who was quoted last week saying there is no guarantee that quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, who was acquired from the Patriots for a second-round pick, We'll start this season. Okay, then what was the point of trading a second-round pick for a quarterback who could be available this offseason? What's the logic in attaining a guy for a second-round pick and not even using him or starting him this year? Listen, I, I, I think that's just him trying to throw a smokescreen of some sort, just not telling, not wanting to tell the truth. Because, look, if you truly believe that a team that doesn't even have a quarterback traded a lot to give up uh, to attain Jimmy Garoppolo and they're not going to start him in the final half of the season? No way. They're definitely starting him. They've got to try things out with him and see where they can go and if this is a guy they want to move forward with in 2018 and beyond. So I I don't believe that for one second when I, I read the quote from Kyle Shanahan. Oh boy, the Dallas Cowboys. Even when they beat the Chiefs, they still find ways to lose. I, I mean, a lot, a lot of people are blowing up because of the Tyree Kill thing. I know Chiefs fans aren't big on that, but a lot of the Cowboys haters, which there are a lot of them, they definitely enjoyed that because they simply hate the Dallas Cowboys. Here's another reason to laugh at the Dallas Cowboys. After the Cowboys beat the Chiefs, their social media operator, likely a, a social media intern, tweeted, quote, not in Kansas anymore. Oh my God, just throw another flag. And just one more, please. Look, I get it. They have the name Kansas City. Uh, but come on. If you're working for one of the 32 NFL teams, and again, this could be an intern, who knows. But still, you've got to be familiar with 
where it, it, I mean, if, if people don't know that the Patriots play in Foxborough, uh, I mean that's a problem. That's a problem if you work in the NFL. I mean, people who don't know that the Jets and Giants play in East Rutherford, New Jersey, or that they share a stadium, you, look, you got to know those things if you're employed by an NFL team, even if you're just employed just as an intern. You've got to know these things. You've got to. I will say this funny story while we're just on the subject. Uh, I, I swear, I remember this. This was on the weakest link. I was browsing through channels. This was a long, long time ago, by the way. Uh, there was a contestant. This was when, uh, I, can't, I don't remember the guy's name, but this was after Ann Robinson. The guy was hosting. And he asks the question, what, what state do the Kansas City Chiefs play in? Now, you can already tell, as a Chiefs fan, this is a trick question. The, they want the contestant to say... Kansas, and you you can't laugh at that. Come on, you you even you know that it's kind of a funny joke that there's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri. But the woman answered Indiana. This isn't even meant to be part of the penalty flag segment. I, I just remembered to bring that up because of the the tweet that the Cowboys sent out. Uh, a logical guess would have been Kansas. I mean, come on. Look, I'm never the guy that criticizes the referees as a reason as to why a team wins or loses. I I always think there are way more factors as to why a team wins and a team loses. Um, But I am criticizing this referee, again, not because of the outcome of a game, but an NBA ref ejected Carmelo Anthony of the Thunder for the most, quote, flagrant foul that you'll ever see. All Anthony did was go for a layup, and he aggressively came in contact with a defender, which is a common way to go about a layup. To, when there, when there's a defender there, you still got to go and try to make the layup, and there's going to be contact there. He made the basket. Apparently, the ref thinks that Anthony was trying to be rough and had an intention of trying to hurt the trailblazer defender, and he got ejected. Look, I mean, look, this isn't even about winning or losing. I mean, these players want to be on the court playing. And referees now, and it's not just in the NBA, and I'm I'm not criticizing just this ref. This is an example of how referees have a hand on so many bad calls and that you just have to settle with them. I think bad calls are are part of everything. Chiefs made a lot of excuses about the Raiders' loss and blaming it on the refs, which I strongly disagree with. I think the Chiefs got away with a lot of calls there as well. And even some no calls too from the from the refs in that football game. Uh, had the Chiefs lost, the Raider or the Chiefs won, excuse me, the Raiders fans would have been complaining about the same thing. I think in sports, whether it's the NFL, uh, whether it's the NBA, basketball, whatever it is, in sports there needs to be something that allows teams to ask officials to review a certain foul. Because fouls generally are not reviewable. And I think that needs to change. It needs to change because I think it would help the sport by a mile. It certainly has helped Major League Baseball in, in which they have finally integrate, integrated uh, instant replay and have used that to help try to make the game a little bit better. And I know things would have been different in the 1985 World Series. I'm not, I'm not hiding from that. But it definitely needs to be added in for every sport. Something needs to be added in in which you can challenge maybe a a, a certain penalty, whether it was called or missed, that a referee has to review that and overturn the call if they feel like something should have been called there or if something should be taken back. I I just think 
referees have too much control over over things like that. And when it's not reviewable, it can definitely hurt the game. And I think that should definitely change as well. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Own Podcast. A big thanks to Matt Connor of ArrowheadAddict.com. Check out his work as well as work from other writers from Arrowhead Addict on ArrowheadAddict.com. Follow him out on Twitter, Matt Connor AA on social media. Big thanks to you guys, the listeners, for downloading and listening to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Share it on social media. Helps the podcast greatly. Let a friend know about the Chief Zone podcast. Interact with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Be sure you guys subscribe to my other podcast, my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone podcast, as that'll be out today as well. I'm recapping the crazy UFC 217 event that took place over the weekend. So if you're a big MMA fan and you're still not over what happened on Saturday night with UFC 217, check it out. Listen to it. You'll definitely love it. Let me know what you guys think about that as well. I'm always open to MMA talk as well on my social media pages. It's mostly Chiefs and NFL, but I'm always open to MMA talk as well if you guys want to talk about that as well. Definitely welcome those topics for sure. Again, big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Enjoy the bye week this weekend. Whether you're going to be watching other NFL games, doing personal things, running errands, whatever the case may be, enjoy the weekend. Watch some college football on Saturday. Watch other NFL teams go at it on Sunday. And the Chiefs will be back at it next week. Next week, we expect to have Marty McDonald from Save Our Chiefs joining us here on the podcast. We'll talk to him what he's been up to looking back at five years ago and everything he did and get his thoughts on the Chiefs this season. So we'll be back next weekend. Check that out on the Chiefs on Podcast next week. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you next time.